And the masters of the universe. And welcome back to Geeks Inherited the Earth. I'm Jamie Skull. I'm CK. Hi, it's Mike B. And today we are missing JC, but Cody and Mike and I are going to discuss the new Masters of the Universe Revelations series produced by Kevin Smith. And we're very excited to talk about that with you. Yeah, on Netflix. Uh, So most of you can watch it. I think people have Netflix accounts in like the middle of the desert and like (laughs) Africa. (laughs) I mean, they do, though. Like I've heard of stories, but like we have Netflix, you know, (laughs) like what? You don't have water. You got Netflix, though. It's cool. If you have nothing else, you have Netflix. So yeah. watch this show, y'all. It's, it is um, unexpected. There's a lot of unexpected things happening and going on in the show. I really didn't have any expectations or, or know what to expect going into it, but it really um, was surprising. And for me, it was in a good way. Uh, there, there was a lot of people, I think, that did expect some things from the show, and they had their mind made up early. Uh, you know, there's a passionate fan base here. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, uh, I, you know, it really kind of caught me off guard, too. I shed some tears. I laughed. I was surprised. Um, some nice drastic turns here and there. But I, I think it stayed true to the source material myself. I did, too. I felt like this was a, an actual sequel to the end of Masters of the Universe mm. uh, from the original cartoons. Um, it just feels like that as the show got older and the fans got older, so did the themes of the show. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, because, you know, I did not expect to hear a few little cuss words here and there <laughs> in Master of the Universe. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like subtle and it wasn't bad. And I was like, well, I, I could hear that on Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> I mean, that would be okay. You know what? Damn I mean- and hell. We're going to take that bridge with Batman in the animated series and just jump straight into the art. Uh, because to me, this art in some ways, some ways is reminiscent of Batman animated series in the era of art in that it has very simplistic line work going on. If you just look at a still, it's not very complicated art, but this is by uh, the Castlevania team. Cody, what was their name? Uh, that was Powerhouse Animation Studios uh, um, yes. that did Castlevania. And man, they're awesome at like really making action visceral yes. as well. Although it has those simple lines, um, like you're saying, the it, it is visceral. The motion and the direction of that art just outweighs any simplicity the art has whatsoever. It's just so fluid and creative with some of these scenes. Well, and especially like facial um, expressions. Mm-hmm. Like it really conveyed so much emotion through uh, the artwork alone. And now it also did through the story and dialogue, but the animation itself even provoked a lot of emotion for me i mean i cried probably every episode because uh, it was yeah, so beautiful a, and i was there's so a few major tearjerkers in there anyway oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah let's jump right into the first episode is a normal it's like what you would expect what yes. you would expect yes the first episode is like masters of the universe you've got he-man you've got skeletor there's a battle um and things going insane and then at the end of the episode he-Man and Skeletor fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like uh, on a cliffhanger, like, yep. what? what? I thought yeah. this was Masters of the Universe. Well, it still is. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you said that because it is Masters of the Universe. It's not called He-Man and Skeletor. Mm, exactly. Yeah. That is gr- a great point. Oh, and I got to give a shout out to uh, Mark Hamill as a Skeletor. He's, oh. he's perfect. Mark Hamill is perfect yeah. in every way. He's a treasure to us all. <laughs> yeah but man it, 
he's killing it here. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, I do hear Joker. Oh, like, a little yep. bit, just a little bit. But you can just almost barely. tell that he's trying to make it slightly different and more. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's ha- the um, it's just his inflection sometimes is the only thing. But then, it's, like you said, it's kind of and it's gone. And I'm like, oh no, it's Skeletor. Yeah, like I, I there's a there is a a difference there, and that, that's because of you know his abilities. Well, he's course. definitely got like this villain voice, and mm-hmm. that is Joker, and that is Skeletor, and if, I don't know if you've seen uh, Miyazaki's Castle in the Sky, but he's the villain in that uh, movie as well, and he has a lot of Joker sounding um, dialogue in that movie as well. But he's just such a good uh, vocal actor villain. What a great uh, villain voice for the greatest hero of all time. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. he literally played, un, not even arguably, I would say, the greatest fil- or greatest hero of all time. Yeah, he like, really to, did. To, like, if you were to take a poll, right? Like, the whole world, and ask everybody, like, number one, it would be somewhere between him and, like, Batman or Superman or something like that. Absolutely. If you've got any doubt of that, uh, I think the worldwide reaction to Luke Skywalker at the end of Mandalorian is proof. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no joke. I'm just like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's something very um, very close to your heart that you don't realize is even there when it happens. And you're like, yeah. oh! Oh, Mark and Hamill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Mark Hamill. Fantastic. But we can't forget the other like 15 or 16 complete voice actor badasses that are also on this cast. Oh, so many. I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, as Tila, she kills it. And I wouldn't expect that. I would never have expected that. Um, and she really kills it. And then, of course, I recognized her voice right away from Game of Thrones as Cersei Lannister. Uh, Lena Headey as Evil Lynn. I was like... Is that, oh, yeah. is that Lena Hetty? <laughs> and it was, oh, yeah. of course. And she she's so awesome. I absolutely adore her. So it was it was great great voice casting all around. Everybody was fantastic. Everybody. Yeah. Well, just to quote uh every major male character from the Buffy TV series and, and Angel as well. Uh <laughs> of course she can do it. She's Buffy. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I she's so, so good. So many roles were nailed in this. I mean, Stephen Root is cringer. His voice was so compassionate oh. and awesome. Griffin Newman is Orko. How awesome was Orko in this? Oh, Henry man. Rollins is Triclops. I oh, mean, my God. Yes, wow. that's right. That's inspired. Especially like <laughs> now it's like chaotic Triclops. Mm. Like it's like Triclops, but he's... A zealot. <laughs> yep. And uh, Tony Todd is Scareglow. One of the more interesting Masters characters to me. You know, Scareglow kind of got tacked down at the end of the 80s. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the character. So I, I really like this little spotlight on Scareglow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that was really neat. Like, they did, they did that a few times in this with characters that are heavily underutilized. Mm. Well, and I love how, speaking of um, Cringer and Orko, I tried to go back about 10 years ago or so and watch some of the old masters of the universe cartoon and it was rough rough. it was unwatchable i was like this is horrible now i loved it i loved it as a kid loved it and uh i loved she-ra i you know and it was great to me then but when i went to back back and watched it as an adult i was like whoa this is horrible (laughs) so um you know to see cringer and orko kind of they still had comedic relief and they still had their their personalities that you expect from those characters but they were 
they were more meaningful Mm -hmm. and they were, they were so much, they were toned down a bit in their comedic, stupid silliness. And so I thought that that was really special because you ended up caring about, you care about them. I thought that was really cool. And, uh, my, one of my favorite voice actors doing one of the uh, very obscure characters in this, one of the later episodes, uh, Phil Lamar doing hero. Mm, Yep. Yep. Like, wow. Hero. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, to really see them start fleshing out this back history of the uh, different incarnations of the power wielder of the sword, man, that's that's awesome. It's super cool. It was super cool. And then in the second episode, it's basically the apocalypse. It's basically <laughs> the apocalypse. So, it's like a little time jump. So that first yeah. episode, we watched it the very first night it came out at 3 a.m. and Skeletor and He-Man die. Yeah. So I'm like, what the hell is going to happen now? What the fuck is this going to be about? Well, then, you know, I don't I don't want to keep going back to the first episode, but the end, you know, King Randor, the king of the entire fucking thing, is like, what are you fucking telling me right now? And just so, and Tila too, just so betrayed mm-hmm. by all of these people. And he was just like, get the fuck out every single one of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so then we're letting my fucking son do yeah. this stuff and are Tila, you insane poor, poor Tila man they conveyed that emotion so well because He-Man's dead her best friend basically is dead and she found out after his death that he is He-Man and she's clearly fucked up by it like hardcore and he's dead so what the fuck and so the episode 2 starts and it's basically a Tila story which I read in an article which I thought was really cool because I was like, a Tila story? Well, how are they going to do this? And then after episode two started, I was like, oh, I see what they're going to do here now. And she just complete. And I love how they started her out as her original look. I love that. I think that's so cool. In her, the first episode, she looked like original cartoon Tila. And then the second episode, she's like, fuck this. I'm, everything, no, everything I know is a lie. <laughs> and so she changed her look completely. And I thought it was great. Like, it totally updated it for modern times and modern audience audiences and modern young girls especially because oh my god i would have lost my mind if i was 12 years old and that ha- and i saw this for the first time hell yeah and you know this you're talking about like <clears throat> how this is a tila story i think that that was a lot of the expectations that people had going in is that it wouldn't be exactly this and i think that part of that is to is to blame for the people that created the show too and just a little bit of blame that it was marketed as something a little different than I think what people expected. I agree. Yeah. However, I will, speaking of mistakes, I don't think it was the wisest decision for them to split this into two halves because it's been so polarizing. I mean, yeah. we're still in the halfway point of the first season. Uh, it's big spoilers here. I'm assuming most people that are listening have watched this. You know, people are up in arms uh, that it is not centered around He-Man, but we're only at the first half of the season and he's already back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously a story. And really, with it being so polarizing, I think it might have been helpful if they just would have released all 10. I think so, too. It's weird to have it split like that. Because the next five episodes are supposed to come out, what, like in October or something? There's no there's no date. January is the rumored date. Oh, I've seen. shit. That's a long time. Yeah. So, that that is a that is weird. Um, and also, he's not really back. He he died again. Well, I don't. He didn't. He's not. <laughs> no, dead. he's not. He's not dead. He got, I don't he think poked, he's dead. He got poked with the spear. I don't think. Yeah, he's he's alive. He probably has to change into He Man to keep himself alive from this point on. We won't ever see Prince Adam again. There's something tragic like that. Mm-hmm. We'll see. 
And speaking and, uh, of tragic, there's lots of tragedies. Some some characters have some dark times in this show. Ooh, God, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> a man at arms. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and I believe well, that he is played by um, Liam Cunningham from also Game of Thrones. He plays Davos. Another what? another great yeah, heroic The Onion Knight. Yeah. Nice. Wow, kind of similar uh, vibes with those two characters, Absolutely. actually. Yeah, yeah, for real. Kind of banished. There's a little bit of that going around. Like I think that that Kevin Smith obviously did a lot of the casting because he was like, "Okay, so Man at Arms is gonna be like this, so we should cast him because I mm-hmm. like that show." And duh, we have to cast Lena Headey as <laughs> Evil Lynn because perfect duh. Evil Lynn. I can't even believe, <laughs> yeah, perfect. Evil you Lynn. pick Buffy as your female hero, also duh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Evil Lynn, one of the most interesting characters in these five episodes yeah. for me. I mean, a lot yeah. of depth there. A lot of depth. Yeah. A lot like, of depth. She's... Very barrenness of her. Ah. I love how um, it shows a hu- a very human side of her. Mm. And she comes around and she kind of bonds with Orko, even though she keeps calling him an imbecile. <laughs> she, she sort of bonds with Orko. Uh, that's really cool to see that, that interaction. And Orko's just such a... Such I don't know. I don't want to correct you. It's um, Oracle. Oh, it is Oracle. <laughs> yeah. It's Oracle. Oh, so sweet. Love that. Love, love that touch. That was so awesome. Like, oh my God. Yes. Duh. Of course. Of course it was. And Evil Lynn could easily have been just like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear you talk. <laughs> but she was like, well, thank you for your story. And was compassionate. And that was yeah. really cool to see out of a character like that. <laughs> So in the second episode, right. we get we get a cool callback with the sword being split. You know, the Just toys. Like the, toy. yeah. the toys always have the two halves of the power sword. Cartoon never dealt with that, so they're kind of bringing that in in a little bit of a different way, which I, I do like. I think that was really cool. Oh, the old cartoon mm-hmm. didn't deal with that. No, oh. no, the sword was never split. It just huh. He Man always had it. Yeah, I guess you're right. I yeah. never thought about that. The figures, a uh, Skeletor came with the purple half. He Man came with the silver half, and when you merge those two together, then it becomes the Power Sword. So, huh. you know, there's a whole little uh, subculture of He Man fans that were on board with all this before the show came out. It was just a couple of years. I'm I'm in that. I remember getting. I'm sure. Uh, I don't I don't know if Cody does or not, but you know, getting those mini comics that came with the toys and having this idea of what Masters is before the show comes out the show came out and changed a lot of things that were established in the line prince adam was invented for the show orco was invented for the show oh wow uh so it, it changed up some stuff a little bit but you know See, seeing so that callback is cool i think i saw it the alternate way right like i, I saw mm-hmm. like it was in syndication right for me so i had the toys and the toys made me want to watch the show mm. and when i was watching it i remember it came on like a perfect time at like 5.30 in the morning before school. Or maybe 6. I think it was 6. Like, before school. And so, that, that they are intrinsically linked for me, but they're backwards. And I remember those mini-comics were, like, really... Like, really darker versions. I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. I want to see, like, this cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wow, yeah. And, the, and the actual cartoon was so hokey. It was like... Oh, yeah. But hey, you know what? It served its purpose. They wanted to make a show that became a household name. They wanted to have so many fucking episodes. It was on every day of the week mm-hmm. and sell those toys. And they accomplished that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My God. I mean, it really invented the model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. It, it set all that up. It, it set the precedent for you can do this. 
And then Hasbro was like, oh, shit. We'll do it, too. So Tila is tasked by the sorceress to retrieve these two halves of the power sword. And, and we established that now in canon, we have Preternia and Subternia, essentially heaven and hell. Yeah. And we also meet Andra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, at this point is more or less, uh, she's kind of the, um, oh, what's the name for that? The everyman, the, the link to the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's very much the, uh, not the center of the story, but like you said, she's the Coulson. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Ah. <laughs> nice. Good character. I mean, really cool. Yeah, really cool character. I, I can't wait to see an action figure of her. Yes. Oh, have you seen Wave 2 of uh, the Masterverse? Awesome. No, not got to see him yet. Hang on, let me bring it it's, up. Uh, it, it's Tila, man, which is awesome. Man at Arms, probably the best Man at Arms figure that's ever existed. Awesome. Somebody else, and then for some reason, Spikeor. Spikeor made it in Spike on Wave 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking Spikeor? Oh, no, I had to see these. Yeah, that's right. Because I saw the, uh, the Man at Arms, and man, I forgot how fucking cool that looks. Yeah, yeah. Here's the fourth one. It was Tila Man at Arms, Spike War, and Beastman. Uh, Beastman. Oh, Beastman. But the less yeah. armored uh, version of the show. And, oh, man. Beastman is cool in this show, too. It He sort of takes on uh, very much like a pack animal, like a dog mentality. He's like, he's not following Skeletor. Skeletor's gone. So now he defers to the next alpha. And it was like, oh, evil Lid, my lady. <laughs> and he's like more wholesome in some weird way. Yeah. I don't yeah, even know how to explain it. It's a little more neutral, just just a beast, yeah. you know, not evil per se. He's the bodyguard, right? Like he's ah, the yes, yes. He's the dude that like doesn't say a lot, but he's like the big guy that hangs out. And then he has <laughs> if you need to whip ass, like he's gonna jump in there and rip somebody apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they're in Subternia and they're all getting the different visions, he's like, Evelyn, my lady, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Freaking out like a dog has lost their master. They were it's right so in front of us. <laughs> it's like playing peekaboo with a baby. <laughs> where the fuck did he go? <laughs> <laughs> On their way to uh, Preternia and Subternia, we do get a little merman scene, a little uh, pirating of the high seas, so to speak. And oh, that Jason was great. Muse is, no, wait, Jason Muse was uh, Stinkor. Stinkor, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that was Kevin Conroy as Merman. Kevin Conroy as Merman. <laughs> Kevin Conroy. So and kind of questionable uh, relegating such a legend to uh, kind of a B-roll, but we'll see. He may come back. Yeah, no joke. I mean, that voice, I mean, as soon as he opens his mouth, I was like, that's Batman. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Merman. My parents yeah. are dead. <laughs> <laughs> It's complicated because one only lived for like three years. <laughs> it was a fucking fish. I loved it though, man. Like he's he's dark merman. He's he's he reminds me of like long hair hook hand Aquaman. Oh yeah, he's got the uh, the eye missing. He's a little more mm-hmm. grizzly. He seems like, like he's that. a bit of an eco terrorist. Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's not just living under the ocean, so to speak. He's sort of like this piratey eco terrorist kind of character. Yeah. I think that's a good addition. And again, back to Triclops, I really like the two things about Triclops. First of all, one thing about Motu that's always been interesting to me is the walking of the two worlds of sci-fi and magic. And uh, it's something that a lot of people don't address. Okay, it's just kind of there. They have swords and guns. Sure, why not? And loincloths and armor. (laughs) Uh, 
but really, really seeing them address this with Triclops and kind of bringing religion to it too. So dealing with the te- technological aspect and then also kind of bringing in some religion, like a cult thing. I, that was pretty creative. I like that. Yeah. This is badass know. cybernetic army. Yeah. Which Triclops, I'm sorry, pardon me, which uh, Trapjaw is part of. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought really- he died like five times, but he just keeps coming back. <laughs> like he dies. Man. Yeah. Like doesn't like man at arms shove a mini saw through his face. Oh, it's something like that. It's yeah, <laughs> and then like he just comes back. It's like it's fucking, fucking it's fine. It's, just put some metal on it. It's whatever. <laughs> he's on the tank, and they're like, oh, "We killed that asshole." <laughs> Wait, I think we have to. We should touch on the sorceress. <laughs> the magic is leaving Eternia, so that's the whole premise yeah. here. That, that's a great, great call. And right. so yeah. the sorceress puts all of the rest of the magic of Eternia into. Skeletor's staff skull head, which uh, Evil Lynn has, but now she's on like a quest of 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 like trying to help, which is great. is that that's or called the Havoc dun, Staff, dun, dun, dun. right? It's a uh, Havoc Staff. It isn't is it? a Havoc Staff. Yes. So yeah, so she is working with Evil Lynn, which was such a huge surprise to me in that second episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And um. I, I love the sorceress. Like she's just such an awesome character, and like I've I've always liked her. An intriguing character. An intriguing character, and, and the most powerful character in Eternia. Except that now her power's draining, and so yeah. she has to do something in order, you know. And she says, "Tila, you're going to have to go find the two halves of the sword and put this shit back together. That's your job now. He Man's gone. It's your job now." <laughs> and Tila's like, "Well, fuck that." I'm not doing that. <laughs> she does. She's like, well, yeah. I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> and then Cringer is the one that convinces her. He's like, you, you, you're He-Man's lady, best friend. Like you have to do it for He-Man, for Eternia and convinces her to do it. And so that's why she's like, fine, fine. If you want me to do it, I'll fine. I'll do it. But she's pissed about it the whole time. Which, by the way, um, incel haters, sorry, Tila's always kind of been like that. Go back and watch the original series <laughs> that's barely watchable that you love so much. Uh, mm-hmm. She's always been kind of strong-headed. No, I wouldn't say bratty, but definitely uh, a strong, opinionated yeah. woman. That's kind of like fuck this, uh, Adam. You're an idiot. Let's get some real shit done here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's great to see that focus on her being like forced sort of to basically save Eternia. Like you're going to have to be the one who else is going to do it. If you don't do it, who else is going to do it? Yeah. And she's like, well, anybody else could do it. And they're like, no, not really. Like, <laughs> you actually have hey, to be the one. Wait, wait, isn't man at arms using her water to like keep Orko alive? Oh, there is a, there is a little bit of a connection there. There's that little spring that seems to be spouting the last magic there. And oh, we yeah. do see that Orko seems to be sort of siphoning off of that just a little bit where he can. Man at arms. You're right. You're That's absolutely true. Yeah, like it was like Man at Arms was like going around finding magic water where he could mm. and like just to keep the Oracle yeah. alive. I'm sorry. That was a cool no, touch. It was really <laughs> cool. cool. Um the and then um so the the magic is so drained from Eternia from the sword splitting and, and He Man and Skeletor dying. And so it's all it's all in those springs for Oracle, Orca. And um <laughs> Evil, evil in Skeletor staff head that she has in her little bag. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that bites her in the ass later. Everyone in the ass. Later. Everyone in the ass. 
<laughs> you got Tila. You've got Andra. Yeah. Andra. Andra. Um, Evelyn. You've got Evelyn. You've got Orko and um, Beastman. Beastman. What a team! What and a they go off crew. to discover to to find the two halves of the sword of the sword. And the first place they find themselves is Subaternia. Cody, what's your take on Scareglue? Uh, what do you mean? Like, what do I feel about Scareglue? Yeah, what do you, like, just what are you thinking? What's your what's your, your take on Scareglue? It's a weird character. Uh, to, to me, Scareglue was always more of a toy, right? Right, like, right. I always saw Scareglue as, like, my favorite character because he was my favorite Masters of the Universe toy. Oh, oh that's cool. Like I said, I was, I was, I was, I think I was more influenced by the toys than the show. Uh, even though I watched it every day, um, I just feel like the toys I had more of a deeper connection with, and I, I still feel that. I guess um, me too. I, I think a lot of people really do. Yeah, I have a lot of the the um, Master of the Universe classics that came out previously, and I'm starting to get the Revelation stuff, and mm, man. really looking forward to seeing that scare glow from the show in that form. But the Revelations are fucking amazing i was actually really surprised at the articulation of um battle cat oh wow i was shocked at the articulation of battle cat (laughs) i really want to hold that in my hands as soon as possible he is massive he's massive and also those figures are selling out instantly everywhere they go i think there's a little concern where people like oh what if this what does it do well what if the figures peg warm Uh, no they put out those uh the cases little side cases the little display those things are gone in a fucking hour i looked out and just walked in when they were setting one up uh instant sellouts everywhere yeah i walked into walmart and there was it was empty except for the top four and the top four were the first four oh nice nice. well they're great they're they're beautiful i love them i was excited about the moss man figure because it's so amazing it's got that old school mcfarland super detail to it It articulation and i watched the first episode i was like oh well they just killed moss man (laughs) with they killed moss man with a lighter (laughs) like this set him on fire yeah, that's, that sets the tone early. He's You're like, still a yeah. great Whoa. figure, though. It's a great figure. Oh, yeah. well, he comes back kind oh, of as, a, as yeah. an well, angel. He's, he's sort of, they're doing the swamp thing with thing with him now. He's like a part yeah. of this whole. I totally got I, the swamp I, thing. I loved it. I love it. That was like, that was so, I, was, I, I knew immediately, I was like, damn it, Kevin Smith, you like all the shit I like. This is why sometimes I really like when they just let you, set you free with something like this well, because he was like, I like swamp thing. <laughs> and yep. I want to touch on Kevin Smith for a second. I know you do. Because... Yeah. I'm a longtime Kevin Smith fan, as we probably all are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have I've watched every one of his movies except for maybe one or two. Uh, you didn't see Tusk, did you? I didn't. I I didn't see Tusk, but I've heard about <laughs> Tusk, and I kind of want to watch it. But no, you, um, you want to watch it? <laughs> <laughs> but I I watched him progress to um, like this indie film creator with clerks right oh yeah i mean just mm-hmm. so in and touch then, with what was going on at the time i was there to see it live in the theaters and, and mike just... michael and i actually kind of started disagreeing because yeah, i yeah. i kept going with the fandom for him like when jay and silent bob strikes back came out and clerks 2 uh, he kind of got really heavy into the dick and fart <laughs> jokes and like the really crass humor which yeah. i i thought was funny i mean i can't back to mark hamill 
Mark Hamill as the cock knocker? Come on. That's so fucking funny. And his giant hand, the one that got cut off as Luke Skywalker, he's got the giant hand as the cock knocker. Why it's do they so- call you cock knocker? <laughs> funny story. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I crack up. But right. he did lose some integrity in the movies as they progressed, <clears throat> as he kept making them. So for me, him producing this show and writing some episodes um, was like a perfect transition. It's exactly what he needed. I think Kevin Smith needed to do this show. It was absolutely beautiful. It was perfect. It was serious. Um, there was nothing crass about it if there was anything crass it was very small details here and there that i'm can't think of right now i don't recall anything crass i don't about recall it. anything crass about it and it was like this perfect transition for him because his movies were steadily getting a little bit a little bit worse and worse as far as that mm-hmm. kind of humor goes which again i appreciate and think is hilarious <laughs> but it's nice to see it's refreshing to see him be serious and like make something really cool like this Hey, Cody, what's your favorite Kevin Smith movie? Oh, wow. What's my favorite Kevin Smith movie? Mm. Okay, I'll go. Mine's Mallrats. Mallrats, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine's it's hard to, or it's hard to not say Mallrats or Dogma. That was yeah, going to be my other Dogma, twister. Yeah. You know, interesting yeah. fact, if anyone gives a shit, uh, actually, he wrote Dogma before Clerks, just couldn't bankroll it, didn't have the money for it. And I'm glad oh, he man. waited because it came out. It's beautiful. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah. I think that might be my favorite Kevin Smith movie. And then it would be Mall Rats. Those are my two I would like, I would like, yeah. But I, like I still love Jay and Silent Barb Sorks back and Clerks 2. And apparently Clerks 3 is coming out soon. Yes. I actually so, picked up by Lionsgate. Um, distributed. Nice. They, they literally, if I'm not mistaken, principal photography started, if not today, yesterday. What? Yep. Perfect. That's good timing. But anyway, yes. So I'm proud of Kevin Smith. I think he's he's done a great job producing the show and actually like showcasing a whole lot of women in the show. A lot of people don't agree with you. A there. lot of people a lot do of people not people agree with me. Well, I'm a woman, so <laughs> please don't. Um, mean, listen, if you're mad about it because of that one reason, that's where I got a problem. Yeah. But if you're mad about it for other things, like like things that hurt your nostalgia and stuff, or your expectations, I get that totally. Mm-hmm. But the thing is. This just being five episodes more about Tila uh, thing is ridiculous. Like, it's fine. It is, you know, and yes, Tila's a big part of it, but I don't personally even see it as the Tila show. I see it as an ensemble cast. It's Tila. It is. It's Roboto. Hello. How oh, awesome is Roboto? Roboto. Oh, man. I love him cry. so much. <laughs> I know. Uh, Evil Lynn, Orko. It's it's the Masters yeah. uh, show to me. Uh, I, and I to really me, appreciate it, that. And you know when they that was when I realized that's when I said that was I think in the third or fourth episode when I saw the team together kind of working together I was like oh yeah masters of the universe that's yeah. them yeah that's those guys right there I mean I didn't want to see five episodes of Skeletor being an imbecile and getting beaten by He Man and <laughs> then a moral at the end of the episode there's you know seven years worth of that if I'm gonna watch that <laughs> yeah well, well there's and- the remake ep- the remake seasons too which I really oh, like the 2000 era stuff oh, yeah. I gotta say. I don't think you've seen that stuff, Katie, but uh, hey, it was solid. It was near yeah. anime level. It was serious, kind of like this. Uh, it's really good. That's cool. Yeah. We'll have to go back and, and watch it. Um, it was really interesting to see what the characters all did when He-Man and Skeletor were gone. Mm, where, where when they when they died and they left, there was no He-Man. There was no Skeletor. Two of the most powerful people in the universe. And then everybody else had to figure out what to do next. So that's what was so interesting about 
Evil Lynn and um, Beastman. Beastman. Yeah. <laughs> joining forces with good and trying to figure out how to get the magic back in Eternia because they, the, Evil Lynn was fucked up too. She's like, I'm barely able to do anything and mm, I'm a sorceress. Yep, yep. So I need to do something. And then, I don't know. It was just, it was a, it was such a great journey to watch that and see that like, what, what do you have to do when these two most powerful people that you're used to are gone all of a sudden? I just realized something. Oh my God. So this show is almost a mashup of the themes of the death of Superman and the reign of Superman. Oh, oh yes. wow. <laughs> nice. You're absolutely right. Huh? And days of future past. And oh, days shit. of future past. Yep. Like it's like, kind of like that. You get what I'm saying? I, I that's awesome. Do. And on that like note, that, for yeah. anybody that's just all up in arms about this show, we're still only halfway through the first season. They're telling a story. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. It's okay. I pro- <laughs> it, this, this to me feels kind of like that episode of um, GI Joe. Uh, I think it was called uh, "There's No Place Like Springfield," where Shipwreck uh, was having the dream <clears throat> that like people were all the Joes were like dead, and this was like the future. He wakes up and like all the Joes are dead and how the world has changed because of it. Mm-hmm. This feels like kind of like that too. Yeah. And it's, it's fine. Like that was one episode. This is like a, an arc on a TV show. This has probably happened like five times in the old cartoon. I just don't remember. Absolutely. <laughs> and it has, and it like, I don't know. I don't want to focus on it. We talked about this earlier. We don't want to add equal negativity to the world because there's a lot of negativity about this, but I read some of these opinions of people online. I'm like, how the fuck do you make it through a movie? Like we're we're not we're halfway through the first season and Adam's already no. back. Calm down, calm down. Yeah, and I'd heard people complain about the fact that Adam. Um, well, we'll get to it, but Adam's decisions. Ah, uh, yes, um, yes, was weird, and I was like, why? That's so. That's so Prince Adam. It's all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like what he did is very Prince Adam. And to be fair, I will be diplomatic i can imagine in some perspectives if i were to be excited about let's say a new spider-man show and i watched the first five episodes and spider-man's not really in the show i see how that could maybe be disappointing for some people no problem but uh to quote bill our beloved uh, comic shop entrepreneur he said as soon as someone comes through this door and if the first thing they're bitching about is tila's haircut i tune it right the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> and she looks great Yep. She looks wonderful. She's beautiful. It's a, it's a really good look. Uh, Jamie, um, I know we didn't want to get too political or anything. I'm not really even getting political here. I, people make this political. This is not political. So everybody mm-hmm. tries to make this subject political. That pisses me off. Yep. Anyway, how did you feel about the female empowerment exhibited in the show as a woman? Well, as a woman, and especially as a girl growing up with that kind of craving, for that um i latched on to things growing up like one linda carter's wonder woman i've talked about before was um my favorite show when i was tiny i was like two or three years old when i fell in love with that show and then um i watched masters of the universe and then she came out and i latched onto that i do consider myself a feminist because i always want to be equal i grew up in kitchens working in kitchens so i was sort of shit upon in that environment and um well i I say grew up but i mean in my 20s and 30s um still growing up child yeah exactly we all are um (laughs) as a child um it was always so empowering to me to to 
find a, a powerful woman who exhibited really great leadership skills and just independence and was also still sexy and beautiful. I loved that. And so this show, it literally brought me to tears so much during these five episodes because of that, because it was like special to me and near and dear to my heart. I thought it was really awesome. And actually thought that um, the men in the show were portrayed in a wonderful way as well, including Prince Adam slash He-Man even fucking beast man like <laughs> My he, lady. he was like all about being helping evil in like he was her right hand man and so i thought it was really cool and i i think it sucks that a lot of people are really mad about that because it seems like they are i've read some comments on some i, I number one rule never read the comments but <laughs> i have gone i started following the he-man facebook page and so I, that comes up in my feed a lot and I have read some of the comments, and man, those people are pissed about it. Yeah, and I don't know uh, why they have to be so pissed off about it. Just enjoy it for what it is. If you're that pissed off about it, go back and watch the original one and have fun with that. Yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I loved it. I think I think it was portrayed woman, women beautifully. Women were kind of the star of the show for the five episodes. And there's no problem with that. No. I don't have. A, I don't think there's a problem with that because no. it's masters of okay. the universe. It is. And here's something. Is guess what? Uh, women are people. No. Uh, <laughs> men and women are people here. Um, why focus on those differences? So and women can be powerful too. Oh, and also you can be friends with them without like wanting to have sex with them. Yeah. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa! This is. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Radical Crazy. ideas. You know that's actually something Kevin Smith has always done well. Uh, I think, to me, I mean, you could probably go back and point out some things and disagree with me. But overall, my general memory is that he, he always had women integrated well into the into the. Stuff. He always has, and I think part of that comes from having a daughter. And well, um, nowadays, sure. Well, <laughs> Harley Quinn Smith. Harley you know, Quinn. That's he went so there. Cute. He went there. Well, she's yeah. awesome though. She she is fucking awesome, and she was in the show. She oh, did yeah. she did some voicing in the show. I forget who she voiced, but um, she was Alina. Who was Alina? I don't remember Alina. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I knew she was a small part, but I was like, what part? Elena, it's awesome. Well, look, at least he didn't make her, you know, the star of the show. No. Well, he, he could did, he, he could easily have, and he didn't. Um, and that's okay. She doesn't need to be the star of the show. Um, Speaking of the show, we last left off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the land of the dead, Subternia. Oh, yeah. That was a great episode. Episode four. Yes. We watched it, it was. twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of hallucinations going on here. Lots of clever stuff. Uh, Scareglow is definitely being as scareglowy as he can scareglow. Oh, yes. Give me your uh, hair. He's very much Scarecrow. Mm, very, uh, very much. It's like Skeletor yeah. and Scarecrow stuck together. Yeah. Which is a compliment. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a fucking compliment because this guy's awesome in this. He is terrifying. And, of course, you've got Tony Todd's voice. You know, like that. I can't even do it. I can do him as like. <laughs> I can do him as. Uh, hold on. I can do him a Zoom from the Flash show. Flash. <laughs> that's as good as it gets. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, but that's I can't like do Candyman or anything like that, but Tony Todd's fucking awesome. I mean, a legend, right, in voice acting. And man, this character, this episode, it, it's, it's one of my two favorites Yeah, uh, because it's scary. <laughs> it's time to face your fears. 
This is the therapy episode. It's a therapy. It really it's a is. therapy yeah. episode. And, and this is really where Orko and Evelyn make that connection. That's this is where they really bond. Yeah, it really is. It's so cute. And Orko, man, just it's <gasps> yeah. We got to talk about it. Mm. I mean, as a kid, I hated Orko. Yeah. Even as a six or seven year old, it just seemed pandering and childish, even to me back then. I was like, ugh, Orko, how stupid. But how much do I love him after this show? Holy crap. Well, his yeah. character has, de- they developed his character so well. Like he's a character. And then he tells a story about why he's called Orko. Oh, and yeah. he, was a, oh, he yeah. was supposed to be, or- and his real name is Oracle. And I thought it was really sweet. Evil Lynn's response was really sweet. And it, it and- turns him, it's going to be a character so many people relate to, I think, because it's not just like, well, I'm just a fuck off. It's just like, he's like, oh, there's so much responsibility on me. And I've always just been you know, fuck up and never led up to anyone's expectations. Yeah, I can't of me. do anything right, but I was supposed to be better than this. Right. I'm the last of my race. I'm the last of my race. Exactly. Oh my God. Um, I don't think he's dead. I don't think no. he's ever died. No, he's gone in another dimension somehow. To get pulled in. Temporarily. Yeah. Right. We're going to see a gonna heroic see return for him. I hope. Yeah. No, I see a big heroic return in the, like the second half of the last season mm-hmm. or this season. Like the ending being like, and here are your conquering heroes. And it's just a master oh, of the yeah. universe. And it'll be that jump up and down. Everybody's screaming and clapping that moment. You know, and that he, will be it. Yep. And, he's, and he it's gonna, it's, becomes the Oracle. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen. Episode four had so much character development in everybody. Mm, so much. That was in it. It was like, and because you got... Um, Andra? Andra, thank you. She's out there with Beastman and um, Roboto fighting like zombies, basically. Yeah. And then you got Evil Lynn and Orko bonding together, even though they probably don't really want to, but they do so that they can get through it. And then Roboto, mm-hmm. interesting concept. You know, he's not seeing these hallucinations. He's like, I do not experience fear. And it's what a great character fucking Roboto is in this. Love him. Oh my god. We can't even really talk about how amazing his arc is until the next episode, but this really starts establishing that, you know, he's a machine. He doesn't feel fear or emotions, but he's still heroic. He's still heroic. He wants to make sacrifices because he's not afraid to make that sacrifice. Well, and what's interesting, too, is that he still cares. Mm -hmm. Like, he has a caring personality, Mm -hmm. even though he's a robot. Or that's an android. He's vision. He's vision. (laughs) He's vision. Was he in the old show? Roboto? Yeah. Yes. The origin was a little bit different. Uh, people have gotten a little bit pissed about that. Uh, but yes, he was in the ocean. God. I think he was briefly just kind of used here and there, not a major character. Well, he's awesome. So, Orko remains behind to save the day and let our heroes journey to the next level of Preternia and sacrifices himself to hold off Scareglow. And then we arrive in Preternia, where Tila is surprised to see Prince Adam. Well, I think we should mention the fact that Tila's nightmare, her biggest fear was Prince Adam, was He-Man. Her fears are also very much motivated by being a hero. Like, you know, Scareglow says, yeah. you know, most people are scared to, to be normal. Like you were you meant were to, be to be this, be... but you're scared to be this. Yes, yes. And that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then she had to battle He-Man. Actually, you know what? I like that you brought that up because... What is Tila's destiny? Is it to become the new He-Man and she's going to be She-Man and all the incels are going to be mad? No. We're talking about plot threads that go no. back to the original show. The, she's the next fucking sorceress. 
Yes, she is. She's oh the sorceress's God. daughter. She's the sorceress's daughter. Which is great because she resents, she resents the shit out of magic. Yeah. So that's going to be a great character arc. It's going to be a great character yeah. arc. And she, of course she wouldn't be the next She-Man because we've, <laughs> we've got She-Ra. We've got She-Ra. Yeah. And she is actually the female equivalent of He-Man. She-Ra is. But it's great to see Tila's character arc being developed like this as it is. Yep. So... Anyway, that was uh, I just want no, to touch that's, on that's that. Great. So that's leading great. into the to the last episode, pre-Turnia, pre-Turnia, what a beautiful place uh, where everybody my, exists happily. My other favorite so episode. It's, it's so, so good. Kind of it's elitist. Really they kind of establish is like, well, most people, <laughs> yeah. most of the plebes but don't not make everybody it to Turnia. It's most, just the most. true heroes that have sacrificed themselves to be able to live in Valhalla. Champions. Essentially. Champions. And it was so cool to see the different characters there. The uh, original He-Man. And and then that, what, what was awesome. so cool about King that episode is that it established <laughs> the Masters of the Universe sort of hierarchy where every, everybody's been He-Man. Like all these people have been He-Man starting from King Grayskull. Mm-hmm. Other people have also been He-Man. Well, sure. The wielder of the power of Grayskull. Sure. So when one passes on another one is formed sure and i think my favorite part of that episode well the that hunt was really fun oh the hunt was great the hunt was great (laughs) with the flying uh saucer boards like the Mm -hmm. flying skateboards calling back to the original series again so cool and um the fact that prince adam immediately recognized tila and she was pissed at him the whole time she was like fuck you and he was like, I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I just couldn't. And she's like, I don't give a shit. You should have. My favorite part of that was uh, Mossman's part in that show. Oh, and, nice. In that, that episode. Like, I just absolutely loved his his whole demeanor and his whole attitude. Yeah, and he was really Swamp Thing, like we were talking about earlier. Like, in mm-hmm. this, in that tragic way of, like, we are Pretoria. He had that. Yeah. I really dug his like it's almost like this sadness that he has to be there and has to do this thing but everything he said was so beautiful like about the uh the, the ashes like he was explaining to Prince Adam if he were to like if 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 he were to die you know would he go back to the earth if if he oh, were to go back to go back he would we're all become earth. a forest who become a forest yeah. Become yeah. the four, like you die and then you turn to ashes and the ashes and then we and then we become part of the earth. earth and is there yeah. anything wrong with that uh, you know, this episode really fleshes out a lot of gray area that's been in the past. Lots of Easter eggs to just one-off figures. Like, you, you see one of the versions of He-Man, he's got the black Zodak outfit on. That was, like, a, a weird random toy exclusive to one store in, like, 1986. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't know the exact details. But it's, it's a callback <laughs> to that very specific figure. And Hero was just, if I'm not mistaken, I might be. But he was just a concept that never was even brought to life. It was just in yeah. these you know, things like this. So to really? really see them take this history and really flesh it out and bring it in line, I, I appreciated that a lot. That's cool. Look, we got to meet Grayskull. I mean, this guy started everything. So the castle's named after. And what a the, cool guy. He seems so yeah. awesome. Such bravado. Such bravado, yeah. I hope we finally see an action figure of uh, of Grayskull now. I hope so. That's going to be cool. Uh, he might be a good candidate for a builder figure. Oh, yeah. Mm, just a little bit yeah. larger than the other guys. Mm, just a little bit muscly. Good point. I really liked this character. That was really cool. It was really cool. Then, I almost wish this didn't happen. He-Man was like, Prince Adam. 
Which I thought also it was really cool that he chose because you can mm. choose how you look in attorney yep. or preternia. So he chose to look like Prince Adam and not He Man. And everybody was like, Well, why would you do that? And he's like, He was humbled. Well, because he, that's who he is. That's he's who like, well, he I'm, is. I'm yeah. And he was humbled by the experience of death and like he was like, I am Prince Adam ultimately. And so I become He Man, but I'm at. But I'm mm-hmm. Prince Adam. That is interesting. But I thought it was really I, I, I really didn't want him to come back. Um, and he said, um, I'm going to go back. And they were like, you can't come back here. If you go back and you die again, you, you can't come back to Preternia. That's, that's it for you. You're, you're done. You're just going to just fade into the earth, I guess. Yeah. Very filled yeah. of dreams of them. Nice. Oh man. And, and, and I didn't want him to do it. I wanted it to, I wanted Tila to continue, but then Skeletor killed him again. <laughs> he stabbed him. He stabbed, he stabbed him. He stabbed him. He's not dead. He's I don't think he's dead. But it was, it actually made for great storytelling. So it really did. I, if they hadn't done that, I would have been kind of mad about that. I wish, it, I would have wished he would have just stayed in Paternia and been done. Well, Tila's destiny does not lie with the power sword. I agree with that. And uh, obviously, I mean, she's the sorceress's daughter. So, which she doesn't, still doesn't know. So that's that's be, fucking true. It's still at this point in the show, she, she still, still doesn't know. know. So that's going to be fun to watch that unfold. That poor poor Tila. She's poor like motherfucker. Can one person ever tell me the truth about something? She's ever? gonna she's gonna learn that sorceress is her mother <laughs> and then shave her whole head. Yeah. <laughs> like and she'll finally listen. Yeah. Her mom will finally be like, "Oh shit, my daughter. Oh my god, I should have been worried about her mental health." <laughs> Oh, uh, awesome. She just wandered off, and that I put too much on really her. Funny, if, fuck this. That would be hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> so some topless pictures on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so Roboto, poor Roboto. We got the we got the fake oh, out in the yeah. last episode. It seemed like he was going to sacrifice himself to take out the the dark shadows. He doesn't. It was just a power up. Then here to forge the fucking sword. By the way, how cool is this? Turning the tower into the fucking forge to reforge them together. And such emotion. He's such. A, he's just dealing. He, he knows he's gonna die. What a powerful scene! Yeah. Oh my god. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. And they I knew it was gonna happen. I knew yeah, it. Yeah. He was like, I can do this. Yeah. And and then, then the fucking deal where he's like, oh, tell man at arms, he succeeded in his project, because I feel fear. I'm afraid to die. Oh. And that means that I'm not just a machine. Are you shitting me? This is one of the most powerful moments of the show. It was yeah. a heartbreakingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to cry right now talking about it. <laughs> it was really, I'm just, just let him know I'm not just a machine. Wow. Wow. Very short, little short uh, circuit in there. Little short circuit. Johnny five yeah. is alive. Yeah. John, uh, it's a very Johnny five. A uh, little bit of that Robocop. Oh no! Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I just came to love him. That was yeah. very emotional. Beautiful. I think he was, he was probably my favorite character to be fleshed out, um, the way he was. It just, crying, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of all these references we're throwing out, Kevin Smith as the producer really understood the concept of not only did this property come from the '80s, he was really tapping in to so much of the heart and soul that we felt of some of the most awesome movies and moments of the eighties, the, the sacrificing oh, the heroic that's moments. So true. I mean, we can make, a, I'm not going to take up time. We can make a list of the movies that he's called from to really bring up these eighties esque, just epic heartfelt moments. Good job. Yeah. He really touched on a lot of the stuff that I love. And I mean, like 
the thing is, I, I, I don't know how you could like objectively hate this. And I think that with those themes, it's picking up a new audience and people who weren't as familiar with it are like totally cool with it too. Like they're like, Oh, I, I didn't really like it before. I never was really into it, but now I've seen this and now I'm, I'm into this. Like, I like this. That's a really good point because, mm-hmm. um, it's so old. <laughs> We're all old. <laughs> um, I just want to also give a shout out to the directors of all five episodes. Kevin Ooh. Smith produced it and he wrote some of the episodes, but Adam Conero and Patrick Stannard directed all five episodes. And, huh. And they, I don't know um, what else they did, but they did a great job. And um, I will definitely be looking up what their other projects have been because um, they knew they knew what the fuck they were doing. Clearly, clearly. So, and, and shout out to uh, Mark Bernardin that does the podcast with Kevin Smith, the um, Fat Man on Batman oh, and he, show. He also wrote a couple of episodes too. Yeah, hmm. he yeah. wrote hmm. some really seriously good writing in this. Nice. So yeah, he jumped on board that, and yeah, that dude's killing it. And then uh, we end with um, the Sword of Power Restored. The Sword of Power Restored. Returning to the Hall of Wisdom. And it's so heroic and epic and like magic is has returned to Eternia. Yes. Evil Lynn. An amazing moment. And Evil Lynn's staff comes alive with actual skeletal. Motherfucker. Mm. Right will... when, right when he says, I have the power. He's about to say power. I have the power. Hey, do your Skeletor laugh. You got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. Yeah, but classic Skeletor. He's oh, like, you dumb motherfuckers. Man. I was just in Evelyn's orb biding my time. Duh, hello, here I am. And that actually really, I, I was depressed about Evelyn. Because oh, I, I loved yeah. seeing her journey of being a good character. And she was depressed, too. She yes. was depressed, too. Yes. She and didn't want to make that choice. Exactly. I don't think no. she wanted to make that choice, but I think no. she had to. And that makes me think that there might be something in her bag for the future of betraying Skeletor. Now, oh, I may be abuse. wrong. There's abuse there, right? There's abuse, abuse there. Issues. This is a triple cross. Like, she's like, come is... and join me at my side, won't you? And she's looking around at the heroes and like, damn, I kind of bonded with these guys. And then I felt lost with them, with Orko and Roboto. And, but but then, then she yep. she has to make the choice. And I, I felt like she had to make the choice. It's like a, it's like a, a violent it, abusive relationship it yeah. scenario. It is. It's domestic violence kind of thing mm-hmm. yep. where she's mm-hmm. like, I can't leave. Yep. And that's yeah. exactly what I got from it. But she, she blows it off and she's like, cause so I could be wrong, but because of her growth, I really felt like she learned good. Or I actually think she already knew good and that she was happy to do it. I really do think that touches on domestic violence a little bit because it's, she was like, I, ha- I have to do this. I have to. And she's like, I, I was starting to like you guys. <laughs> I was starting to like you guys, but then she goes back to Skeletor. Again, I, I, could, I think we're going to see Orko come back, and I think we're going to see Evil in Triple Cross Skeletor. Yep, I'll do too. I and so. I, could, I completely got that it was like a, a domestic abuse thing, but yep. also I kind of pulled from it that she was like already formulating a plan. She's like, I have to go do this because this is the only way I can keep the rest of you alive. Yes, exactly. And she was like, but I'll, but I'll be back for good again. 
Mm-hmm. I really or, felt that way. But then she's probably also like, but if not, this is actually the strongest entity in the fucking universe yeah. right now. So I'm <laughs> back up. You've already lost, guys. Right. Yeah, because she knows. She knows you've lost at this point. Because we that. don't just see Skeletor. Fucking Skeletor has the sword of power and says those famous words. And that's I never- have the power. Wow. Who saw that coming? I no. have the power. <laughs> ah, awesome. Well, I saw it coming. I had the action figure in it. Yeah. But uh, before that, who would have thought we'd ever seen a He-Man show where Skeletor has the power? He's never sword? had it before, right? No. I didn't think so. Nope. What, a, so what a missed crazy. opportunity, by the way, mm-hmm. to not fucking ever do that. Nope. Well, whoever made the old show in the 80s was um, not interested in the show (laughs) (laughs) or the characters (laughs) right that's true they were more interested in the toys but uh yeah we see skella god so scary so scary five episodes five we saw this incredible journey like 22 minute episodes like normal ass episode length shows it feels like way more less time than a fucking movie yeah and we saw such a huge journey and such great character development, great voice acting, um, great directing and producing. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't have any complaints about this show at all. Not one. I'm so excited that we're like at the end of the first chapter and I cannot wait. I can, it's, it's too long to wait till the next it, that's chapter. A that's a long time for one season of a show. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> but I get it. COVID, all that stuff. But I cannot wait until the next five episodes. It uh, it absolutely filled me with complete 100% delight. And anybody out there who's mad about it, watch it again with a different set of eyes. Maybe take on a different perspective. Don't see now, it as He-Man. Yeah. See it as Masters of the Universe and think about all the characters that you loved as a child that were there in the show and done better than they were then like orko and cringer (laughs) i mean cringer what a sweet sweet kitty cat now (laughs) uh you know he was such a buffoon back in the day perfect word great as battle cat but as a buffoon as cringer and he wasn't like that he was like wise and he was scared for reasons that we all are scared for like he he had fear that we all have fear of in our daily lives and I think that resonated with me a lot. So it was beautifully done. And I'm crying again. I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> That's my review. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'll have to, Mike, can you go get her some, some Kleenex? Like a whole box of them. No, we got, we got them. I knew this was going to happen. I got happen, them already. So good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. How, you know, I should have thought about that. You're already, you're always ahead of things. Uh, but I I loved this show. Um, it was surprising. I, I you know I had we were about to shoot a new episode and I was like um, you know I'm gonna we were talking about I was like well I'll at least watch the first episode to see if um, to see if I like it you know I can say a little something before we do the next show because then we just want to introduce it if it's awful. Right. Um, but in that amount of time, I watched like every episode. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was like, Oh, I like this. I'm going to watch them all before we do it. I'll get there. <laughs> They're like 20 minutes long. I thought they were gonna be like an hour long. Hmm. So they I was like, like Damn. They were. <laughs> yeah, they felt like they were, but then like time just didn't pass. It was just... 
it was i really enjoyed it i mean I, it's you know i think sometimes i have a hard time picking up new shows uh because i just lose interest easily on a lot of things now because i guess i'm so overloaded with media mm, yeah. and that makes um sense. Yeah, so it's very specific things that I get into, and most of the time it's through forced watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, like, I just, I, I just watched it. <laughs> I just sat down. I was like, "Oh no, let's keep going. This is awesome." Uh, I loved all the characters. I loved the the animation. Was uh, look, I loved Castlevania. That's like one of my favorite shows ever at this point, and uh, it had that feel into it. But it also very much felt classic uh, in a different way than Castlevania. Castlevania is more drab and and dark and terrifying mm. and this is more i don't know uh, it's definitely more uplifting and colorful man the color palette holy oh, shit yeah. oh great point that's a good point oh my god this thing's gorgeous uh, it's got like all the colors that i like you know like the things i wear on my clothes most of the time anyway <laughs> speaking of but, color palette it might seem weird at this point in the show to flash back to the intro but holy shit can we talk about the art and oh, the colors shit. in the intro that intro is flashing nuts. back to that like wow. old school you know barbarian was uh, it for for the first episode yes that was actually so, only the first episode yeah. but it gives you that like late 70s early oh, 80s man. frank Frazetta barbarian kind of art that the toys all had packaged it's so with good. even yeah. with the, like, the red breaking meteors at the top of the old toy cards I, that instantly right out of the gate slapped me in the face i was like holy shit we're going there okay yeah, one of the best intros to an animated series I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, no, it's good. True. You know, for me and many people, most people in our age bracket, Masters of the Universe, no matter how much you're into it, it's it's there. It's in your mind. It's a fundamental part of your childhood in some capacity uh, due to Mattel's marketing team. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, was, I was a little wary of this show. I wanted to love it. Uh, I've had a love and hate with Kevin Smith on and off here and there. I wasn't sure what to expect. I had high hopes. And it, it really it really surprised me, blew me away. It gave, it gave me everything I wanted. It was a little more mature. It branched out to characters uh, and let them live out their lives a little bit. The stakes were high. The art was phenomenal. The dialogue was great. Uh, much like Jamie, I'm honestly, I don't have a voiceable complaint about it. Uh, seriously, five episodes into ten, multiple cliffhangers, great twists and turns, so much heartfelt um, 80s feeling, you know, movies like The Goonies, just shit like that, where it just really taps into that kind of fun but yet also their stakes like ghostbusters same thing it's like it's a little fun a little goofy but also serious um it just really nailed the whole thing i can't wait for the next five yeah. you know you brought up the fact that that your age group uh specifically growing up with it like i said for me it was in syndication but mm-hmm. it it does kind of feel like where i left the show when i was that age um now i'm picking it up at this age and it's it's grown with with me I said that earlier, but like I just wanted to reiterate that because I think that's really important. How old are you anyway, Cody? Ageless time lord. Uh, I was born <laughs> in 1985. Oh, awesome. okay. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm 36. Lots of shared memories there, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's true. Lots of, a lot of crossover. The 80s were the best decade. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. That's a whole other yeah. episode. <laughs> And I'm going to complain the whole time, like, yes, I love them, but I'm obviously remember the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> you're a 90s kid, yeah. <laughs> what a great time. This has been a great conversation. No, I had a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the show, and I really enjoyed the conversation, because, I don't know, it's fun to talk about. He-Man and Master of the Universe has always been a bit uplifting, and even though this had some dour moments in it, I, it's very positive. Very positive. Very, I agree with that. Uh, very meaningful, and there's a lot of really good lessons to be learned here. Even, like we were talking about earlier, 
fatherly lessons mm -hmm. about uh, when you have characters like he-man's father and and uh, particularly man-at-arms mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of a lot of and deep stuff going on there like life lessons like which, that's the hallmark of the classic show you know? it is to be honest it really was an epic <laughs> lesson about who you are what you should be what you should do and how you should treat people and i think there is nothing better to end this review of Masters of the Universe Revelation on them. That very statement. I agree. This has there been a go. great deal of fun. Please look forward to many more Geeks and Hair to the Earth episodes. Uh, I'm Mike D. I'm CK. Jamie Skull. And, and we're we out. have the power!